0: You're listening to How to Succeed in Evil, Crazy Psycho Murder Tree, Chapter 5, The Links into Action. Cuthbert was in the gardens of Warner Manor. Not the gardens as they had existed now, but the gardens as they would be after a few generations of master gardeners had given them the best days of their lives. In the distance, over an ivy-covered wall, he could make out the skyline of Third City. The towers glimmered in the bright spring day. He looked down and became aware that he had pruning shears in his hand, and before him were rose bushes, so he bent to the task at hand he found himself enjoying the work and the sunshine and the fresh air. And more than that, he enjoyed the idea that he would be allowed to get up tomorrow and work in the garden again, and the day after that, and after that, and all the days that followed. The butler dreamed he was a gardener and found himself to be content with his lot. But then there was a strange buzzing from beside his left ear. It grew louder and more insistent, Cuthbert turned his head and there he saw a large mechanical bumblebee with wings made from golden scales. It buzzed towards his eyes, causing him to blink. When he opened his eyes again, he was in his room and the magic of the dream had shattered. The buzzing of the clockwork bee revealed to be nothing more than the intercom buzzer. It was 10.30 a.m., what the devil had happened now? With his master's eccentric nocturnal habits, Cuthbert had come to rely upon mid-morning naps to see him through. What manner of emergency, what fresh hell, real or imagined, was this? He keyed the talk button. Yes, sir. The voice of the lynx, thick and gravelly, came through the intercom. Cuthbert, a tree has broken loose and is rampaging the city. Of course, sir. Because what other response was possible? There was no reasoning with an insane person. Shall I call for an arborist, sir? I'll prune this sapling myself. Over the roar of absurdity, Cuthbert could detect the whine of a turbine coming up to speed. Are you headed out, Master Bryce? I would advise against it. There's no time for advice, only for the cat-like reflexes of justice. "'Sir, you do realize you are your most effective in the shadows?' There was no answer but the squealing of tires. This time Cuthbert made for the lynx cave, hoping he might talk Master Bryce into returning before he did something truly foolish. A tree attacking the city, indeed. He was certain it was just a tree that had fallen over in an intersection. Perhaps someone was trapped in a car. Regrettable occurrence, yes, but a job for the fire department— They were trained and equipped for such things, and they had the added virtue of being sane. Cuthbert considered the kind of man who had run into a burning building and amended his thought. Wasn't all selfless courage a kind of glorious madness? In his youth, thought Cuthbert, in his youth. Time was of the essence, so he headed for the study. When he flipped back the cathead and pressed the button, a bookcase on the far wall slid into a recess to reveal the elevator. In the alcove beyond, the tube rose noiselessly and waited in gleaming blue light. Cuthbert eyed it dubiously. Technology, he thought. A charming fellow who pulled a chair out so you could be seated at a fine dinner, but one time out of ten, when you were most famished and exhausted, he would pull the chair out from underneath you at the last minute. Oh, the excuses might be complicated. System air, service outage, update required. But all of these words meant the same thing. When you really, really needed it, it wouldn't be there. There were many kinds of courage, Cuthbert reminded himself as he stepped into the pod. The terror came even before the door closed. Cuthbert did not like small spaces. Under the strain, he began to whistle a phrase from Elgar's cello concerto in E minor. His father had been a great admirer of the English composer, and so had freighted his son with the middle name Elgar. As the door closed and the elevator dropped away, he had let the concerto ring through his mind. It rose with his blood pressure, then, as the door opened, the orchestra in his mind descended triumphantly as he stepped out onto the damp cave floor. His lungs hurt. Surely there was mold lurking in these crevices black mold that would be the death of them all. And it was always cold. His feet slipped as he turned the corner into the main cavern. He made a mental note to order some rubber floor mats, and then forgot all about it when he saw what was on the main screen. The helicopter footage was excellent, so there was simply no other way to describe it. A tree had broken loose and was rampaging through the city. Cuthbert watched for a moment, feeling very old, What kind of world had he lived long enough to see? Evidently, it was a world in which ambulatory trees could knock police cars aside as if they were ninepins. Cuthbert triggered the microphone and asked, "'Sir, do you have a plan?' He recognized it as a silly question as soon as he heard it spoken aloud. On the weapons system subscreen he saw Master Warner arm missiles. He looked at the live footage from the news helicopter, the tree creature battering his way along Wabata Drive. People were running through the streets. The adventurous would be clustered around apartment windows, taking videos on their cellular phones, no doubt. And for this, Master Bryce chose missiles? No, this would not do. Cuthbert deactivated the vehicle's weapon systems with a few taps. The lynx growled, "'Weapon systems gone dead. I need options.' "'Sir, the prudent thing to do would be to return to the... Uh, "'Lynx Cave,' he named the place with difficulty and disgust, "'so that we can repair and refuel the craft for another salty.' There was a pause. For a brief moment, Cuthbert was allowed to hope that his ruse had been successful. But then... "'No, Cuthbert. People are dying.' On screen, he saw the tree punt a parked car into a fleeing crowd. Surely that had just killed someone.' For the first time in his strange career, the Lynx was right. Cuthbert tried to lift the weight of responsibility from his uniformed shoulders. The young man in his charge was racing towards danger, failure, and the almost certain revelation of his secret identity. As long as Master Bryce survived, how could his unmasking be bad? Cuthbert might even be able to get a full night's sleep out of the bargain. and. As the Lynx, Master Bryce was protected by advanced battle armor and a highly mobile armored vehicle. Cuthbert told himself there was nothing he could do but sit back and enjoy the show. He had none of those so recently discovered superpowers. He was merely a servant, a butler, the most cliched suspect in a murder, certainly. He was capable of navigating his charge through difficult social situations with grace and aplomb. But beyond that... It all sounded so reasonable that Cuthbert almost convinced himself. He tried to lean back in the command chair, but as the lynx-mobile slid around a corner onto Wabata Avenue, he couldn't stop himself from leaning forward and gripping the desk. I see the beast, growled the lynx. On the screen, Cuthbert could see the now impotent targeting computer lock onto the tree creature and give a rapidly descending distance to impact. Master Bryce did not flinch or falter. The lynxmobile accelerated without break towards the tree-creature. Magnificent idiot, thought Cuthbert, not entirely without admiration. The tree-creature had thrust a limb through a city bus and was now brandishing the bus above its head. The tree heard—how could a tree hear—the approach of the lynxmobile and turned. Master Bryce was doing over a hundred miles an hour, so the tree-creature had no time to react. But it was a tree, so it just stood there. The lynxmobile struck the trunk with a tremendous crash and glanced off, tumbling over the parked cars and crashing through a coffee shop window. The tree creature returned to its rampage, missing a little bark but seemingly no worse for the wear. In celebration, it tossed the bus towards the police cordon a little further down the street. On the screens, Cuthbert could see that Master Bryce's heart rate was through the roof. Sir... "'I'm fine,' Master Bryce said, answering in his normal voice. Then he snapped back into character. "'Is the beast destroyed?' "'I'm afraid not, sir.' He heard groans through the radio and saw that the door interlocks would not function. "'Stay put, Master Bryce. I shall come and retrieve you.' "'No, it's not safe,' Master Bryce growled. On the screen, Cuthbert watched him trigger the explosive door charges. "'I must.' Must what? wondered Cuthbert. Learn a lesson in humility? From the helicopter feed, he saw the lynx. Somehow Cuthbert could never quite associate the costume with the man inside it. Run onto the street and pursue the tree creature. Sir, I advise against- It's headed for a school, protested the lynx. From the suit's POV camera, Cuthbert could see a sign that read, School of Cosmetology. Think of the children, growled the lynx. And while you're at it, think of the cosmonauts," thought Cuthbert. The lynx lifted his arm and fired the grappling hook into the branches of the tree creature. Cuthbert thought this a foolish thing to do. What an ignominious death it would be to be battered to death by a shrubbery with delusions of ambulatory grandeur. But then he saw the method in the madness. In a frantic jig, the lynx danced around a light pole three times to anchor the line. The tree was caught up short as the cable tightened. It turned and saw what restrained it. In anger, could a tree become angry? This whole thing was like an absurdity grudge match. The tree heaved against the line. The hooks of the grapple were sunk deep into the wood and did not come free. But the pole snapped off at the base and was launched into the air, and with it, the lynx. The tree swung the line around and around its branches, bringing the pole and the man inward in a tightening circle, so that finally the lynx and the pole crashed into the trunk and were tied fast. The impact was so severe that the suit activated its rapid deceleration protocol. Foam and external airbags deployed upon impact, cushioning Bryce Warner, but trapping him in a tangle of branches and line. Undeterred, the tree charged towards the police cordon, Behind a line of men with riot shields, a few officers fired tear gas canisters, which had no effect on a creature which effectively breathed CO2. The fools! Had they never kept a garden? Weakly, through the calm link, Bryce said, Cuthbert. Yes, sir, on my way, said Cuthbert. Over the comms, his response sounded weary and long-suffering, but there was a jaunty bounce in his step as he went to the equipment room. He thought to himself, in cheery acceptance of the full absurdity of the moment, "'Time to get my cat out of a tree.'" It was a twenty-minute drive to town in the Bentley S3, and even though the vehicle was not designed for a turn of speed, Cuthbert made it in ten. From the path of the lynx's tracking monitor, Cuthbert could see that the tree creature was in the middle of Winston Boulevard. When Cuthbert reached the barricades at 7th and Winston Street, he found them unmanned. Gingerly, he bumped the white wall tires up over the curb and simply drove around the barricades. Emergency personnel didn't give him a second glance. This was one of the benefits of true sophistication. The lower classes didn't question it. If he had been driving a Honda, or God forbid a Hyundai, he would have been intercepted in a second. But as it was, the stately progress of the Bentley incited no alarm in the authorities. Of course, they had bigger trees to fell. When he was as close as he dared drive, he turned into an alley and double parked. From the glove box, he produced a pair of gloves. Cuthbert did not favor the traditional leather driving gloves, so these were a pair of neoprene gloves with hard knuckles and textured embossing on the palms. Exiting the car, he heard a commotion in the distance. The crashing of metal and glass, screaming growing closer and closer. Ah, yes, this was the right place. He opened the trunk and took from it a shoulder mounted rocket launcher. He carried the weapon in his hands as if he were presenting a bottle of 43 Chateau Lafitte. As the noise of destruction came closer, he produced a pair of shooting glasses from the inner pocket of his jacket. Then he leaned against the corner of the building. "'and steadied the weapon by cleverly pinning it "'between his cheekbone, shoulder, and masonry. "'There would only be one shot at this. "'But if he was steady,' thought Cuthbert, "'one should be all he would need.' "'In the remaining moments, he scanned the windows "'of the office building on the other side of the street. "'He could see no one inside. "'And,' thought Cuthbert grimly, "'if anyone had not fled the area by now, "'perhaps their sacrifice to the cruel god Darwin "'would be required.' but Cuthbert would not miss. He had trained as a butler, but he had trained as other things as well. With a creaking and a crash, the tree strode into view. Cuthbert tracked it very slightly as it moved. He could see the links tangled high in the tree's branches, so he set his aim just below the first fork of the trunk, about ten feet off the ground. Then, he fired. If you like How to Succeed in Evil, you should support it by becoming a paid subscriber at patrickemaclean.substack.com. And if you do, I mean, for the paltry sum of $5 a month, you get to binge the rest of this story right now. I mean, that's a good deal, right? You not only get to satisfy your need for instant gratification, but you get to do so in a way that lets you feel good about yourself while you're doing it. So if you want to wait a week to get the next episode, that's fine. It'll be here right on schedule. But is it the most evil thing in the world to suggest that in these trying times, you deserve a little happiness? It's actually fairly evil. This is marketing, but you should still subscribe.